guys this is parissa i'm kaylin if this is your first time joining us thanks for tuning in if and if this isn't your first time joining us thanks for coming back um so kaylin do you kind of want to get into the housekeeping before we start this episode off yes so this episode is going to be centering around the history of naruz which is the persian new year um so this is kind of a ramp up to our all mel naruz celebration next wednesday from 5 to 8 p.m in benson 21 um, even if you're unfamiliar with Iranian or Persian culture and or don't identify as Iranian, please come through. It's going to be a great event. It's going to be a great celebration. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the renewal, but this is our chance at the end of the quarter to mm-hmm. kind of end it on a positive note as we start the spring quarter. We also have a podcast suggestion survey um, yeah. that we're that has been live for the past few weeks. Um, so it will be in the description of our podcast. Uh, podcast episode on SoundCloud. So if you have feedback or if you have any suggestions or topics that you want to learn more about, please fill that out. Mm -hmm. And we're going to add it to our long, long, long list Mm -hmm. of podcast (laughs) episodes. Um, But if you can't find it or you're having trouble, go ahead and feel free to shoot us an email at oml at scu.edu. And then we can send it over to you. Um, And we've also slowly admittedly have been working on trying to make sure we have a page up for all the resources um, and sources that we've cited in our past podcast episodes. So please be on the lookout for that. It will be under our um, OML website on the SEU website. Mm -hmm. So if you go there, you can also find all of our old podcast episodes. Yeah. And we're in week nine right now. So I think it's understandable if we're not like pulling together all of the little separate podcast pages, but it's definitely something that's in the works because eventually in the future, we want you guys to be able to like look at the pictures and the maps and whatever other figures that we're talking about. Um, But yeah, and also before we kind of get into it, I want to acknowledge that, yeah, we have been doing a lot of Iranian-centered contemporary issues with the Islamic uh, Republic um, anniversary happening and then also this one, but you know, it's it's a very understandable thing to think that because I'm Iranian and I'm part of this podcast that the reason that we're focusing so much on those issues is because of that. But promise that we will get to other marginalized groups um, in different communities. We're just kind of working on a what's currently happening basis because those are the ones that we feel like there's a time limit in putting out and acknowledging. Um But in the future, moving forward, we definitely will be branching out to whatever other marginalized communities that there is to talk about. So if this maybe isn't your jam, you know, stay tuned because there's always going to be other topics to talk about. All right. So so let's get into the topic. So we're going to be talking about Noru's, like we mentioned, and we're going to start with the basics. So the who, what, when, where, why, how, all of that. So as for the what, Noruz is uh, Iranian slash Persian New Year, and I'll get into that a little bit later, but it translates literally to New Day. Um, And the difference between Iranian and Persian and like why people use those interchangeably or, you know, somebody might identify themselves as Iranian and someone else might identify themselves as Persian. Um, Ethnically speaking, Iranian is the generic term for people of Iranian descent. And this is for people who live within Iran, so like Persians, Baloch, Talish, Tat, etc. I haven't heard of those last two. So, I mean, like, obviously, these are really small indigenous groups, right? 
Um, but a lot of them do live outside of Iran also, and they identify as Iranian. So like Pashtuns, Ossetians, Yavnobi people, etc. And then so the ethnic definition from Merriam-Webster is of or relating to large groups of people classed according to common racial, national, tribal, religious, linguistic, or cultural origin or background. And the way I always think about it is like, you know how um, there's a broader term, Native American, for mm -hmm. people who are indigenous to America who, you know, identify as Native American. But then you also have different tribes and different like smaller identifications within that larger group mm -hmm. and that's kind of how I look at Iranian versus Persian because mm -hmm. Persian is kind of like an indigenous group mm -hmm. within Iran um, that like it says Persians were originally the inhabitants of the provinces Persia which is the southern province of Pars in Persian and Khwarezstan, which is ancient Alam. So, I mean, it's mm -hmm. just, like, different regions of the mm -hmm. country. And, you know, there's, like, Turks, there's Kurds, there's all sorts of different indigenous groups within the broader categorization of Iranian. And so that's why, you know, Iranian is a more inclusive term, mm -hmm. which is why, you know, even sometimes I will refer to myself as Persian, but I will kind of correct it because regardless of whether or not I am actually indigenously Persian, mm -hmm. I don't want to exclude anybody from that category. Mm -hmm. And when you're speaking, it's like, you know, referring to all Native American issues as being Navajo related mm -hmm. issues, when in reality, it extends way beyond that, mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah, and I and I think part of the reason also on like a side note that a lot of people will hesitate to identify themselves as Iranian is because um, they want to kind of separate themselves mm -hmm. from the current regime and like Iran as being reinvented as this mm -hmm. Muslim country, you know, in comparison to when you're calling your, yourself Persian, you're mm -hmm. referencing, you know, like a Persian empire and all of these great accomplishments mm -hmm. that don't come along with the title of Iranian. If mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like the history that is... Exactly. And the cultural memory associated with... Yeah. And, and I mean, like, the current Iranian regime is is seen as an embarrassment by a lot of Iranians. And mm -hmm. you know, we don't want to generalize, but that's just kind of, like, the perception that I have in regards to why people will refer to themselves as Persian and mm -hmm. not Iranian. Um, and also, if you hear paper shuffling, um, I'm bullet journaling, and we are looking through our research. <laughs> So for the who and where, interestingly, it's actually, Nowruz is actually celebrated by 17 different countries. And so it's observed by Iran, Afghanistan, Albania, Azerbaijan, China by the Tajik and Tur Turkic groups, Georgia, India by Iranis, Parsis, and some Indian Muslims. And again, these are like smaller indigenous groups that I think all have like kind of history leading back to the Persian Empire where their cultures now are very heavily influenced by kind of like their life before they were parts of these other countries mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. were part of the larger Persian Empire. Um, Iraq by Kurds and Turkmens, Kazakhstan, Kyr Kyrgyzstan, sorry, Pakistan yeah. <laughs> by Balochis, Iranis, Parsis, and Pashtuns, Russia by Tabasarans and Crimean Tartars. Syria by Kurds, Tajikistan, Turkey by Azerbaijanis, Kurds, and Yuraks, 
Turkmenistan and Uzbekistan. Um, and then, Kaylin, do you kind of want to get mm -hmm. into why it is celebrated, when it's celebrated, and all of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, it's it's celebrated on the first day of spring, or like the spring equinox. Um, this year, that's March 20th at 3 p.m. when we're taking in daylight savings into mm -hmm. account, mm -hmm. because that's going to happen soon. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. Um, and so, I mean, like, kind of looking at exactly, like, the date um, and why it's been set like that. Mm -hmm. So um, the vernal equinox is defined as the time in the spring when the sun crosses the equator when night and day are of equal length. Um, and so e there are two equinoxes every year mm -hmm. in the spring and in the fall. Um, and so the spring equinox, of course, is going to be the first day of the um, or is the day when we're mm -hmm. celebrating the Iranian slash Persian New Year. Yeah. Um, it's been celebrated for over 3,000 years in Western Asia, Central Asia, the Caucasus, uh, the Black mm -hmm. Sea Basin, and the Balkans. Um, and so the establishment of Nehru's varies. Mm -hmm. um, there is some credit, uh, the Shahnameh. Shan mm -hmm. So yeah, so basically yes. the Shahnameh is like, if you have, um, like, you know, Shakespeare, mm -hmm. it's basically like the equivalent of like how impactful Shakespeare was on like English culture and mm -hmm. even our modern culture now. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like a book of Persian mythology. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it's kind of like, it's a, it's a poem. It's mm -hmm. long. It's really thick. And it's just basically kind of, it's written by Ferdowsi between, Ferdowsi between uh, 977 mm -hmm. and uh, 1010 CE. And it's the national epic of Greater Iran, which is like a part of the older Persian mm -hmm. Empire that is no longer existent. But um, yeah, so sorry, continue. Oh, no. Um, yeah, so in that epic, um, the foundation of Ruz is credited to the mythical Iranian king um, Jamshid, Jamshid. Who, mm -hmm. who saves mankind from a winter destined to kill every living creature. To defeat the killer winter, Jamshid constructed a throne studded with gems. He had demons raise him above the earth and into the heavens. There he sat, shining like the sun. The world's creatures gathered and scattered jewels around him and proclaimed that this was the new day, Nowruz. Mm -hmm. um, this was the first day of Farvardin, mm -hmm. which is the first month of the Iranian calendar. Yeah. And so Perusa kind of talks a little bit about, you know, this history of this epic poem. Um, and we mentioned that it is the national epic of Greater Iran. Greater Iran... Um, really referring to Iran and other vastly expansive areas around it that have been influenced by ancient Iranian cultures mm -hmm. because of their proximity and or power over the area. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also, again, has its uh, has a lot of roots in Zoroastrianism. Mm -hmm. And so in looking at that, just a little background on what Zoroastrianism is, it's one of the oldest monotheistic religions in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, it's said to have been founded by Prophet Zoroaster in ancient Iran about 3,500 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, it had a lot of clout, I think, um, a good, like, kind of quote-unquote modern-day mm. analogy would be kind of the power that the Catholic Church has yeah. over, you know, the Western world. No, and I think it's also important to know that this was the religion of that like area in the world mm -hmm. prior to um 
like pre-Islamic, um, before Persians and Iranians were conquered by Arabs mm -hmm. and, you know, the Arabs brought Islam along with them. And that's why we even have an Islamic Republic of Iran and that area, that part of the world is so like majority Muslim is because mm -hmm. of that, you know, like that the pre-Islamic, the post-Islamic mm -hmm. effects of being conquered by the Arabs. Mm -hmm. But it was the figurehead religion mm -hmm. that was practiced. And um, I'm pretty sure that King Cyrus had freedom of religion, so you mm -hmm. could practice whatever you wanted to. But regardless, there were a lot of people in that area who were practicing this religion. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it was actually made the official religion of Persia, from what I found in my research, mm -hmm. from 650 to 600 uh, BCE. Mm -hmm. um, and one of its core beliefs is that there is, again, it's a monotheistic religion, religion mm -hmm. so there was a belief in one god, Ahura Mazda, mm -hmm. um, translated roughly to wise lord, wise lord <laughs> who created the world. Um, and there's also a belief that the elements are pure and that fire represents God's wisdom. So that piece is interesting um, when we get to kind of, you know, the certain rituals that are associated with um, the, the celebration of Nowruz. But um, a common misconception is that Zoroastrianism, you know, worships fire or like mm -hmm. are they, they're fire worshipers they're not um they just believe that fire represents god's wisdom which it's symbolic gets, i mean there's symbols all over every other religion i don't mm -hmm. know why all of a sudden people have a hard time comprehending that fire <laughs> does not equal god you yeah. know um but like Carissa said it was the major religion of this region of the world but now what you know in modern day it's one of the smallest religions of the world. Mm -hmm. There are less than 190,000 followers in the entire world. And if you think about it, our population is like in the billions. Yeah. And there are less than 200,000 people, you know, practicing Zoroastrianism. So kind of, it's kind of interesting to see that, you know, it was such a predominant, predominant feature of, mm -hmm. you know, world history, but now it's really minimal in terms yeah. of the people who practice and and the iranian government now because it's so rooted in islam you know just kind of as a as a fear tactic or they don't want like their power questioned they've really suppressed these like smaller groups who maybe do practice zoroastrianism um and my mom was even telling me because i was born in iran and she said that there's certain names that you were not allowed to name your children because they had Zoroastrianism, like, roots, mm -hmm. you know? And so if somebody wanted to name their daughter a particular name that wasn't within, like, the reasonable, you know, limits of naming a child during that time, you know, 20 years ago, you just couldn't do it. Like, they wouldn't mm -hmm. let you. They would mm -hmm. take the document from you and tell you, you know, you either have to choose another name or we're going to give the child a different name. Um, and I think it just kind of shows that... I, part of the reason why these numbers are so small is because of this suppression. And it's really hard to practice a religion mm -hmm. and even be able to identify as practicing a religion if you're being threatened mm -hmm. in different ways. And I think, you know, this number is probably, it's either really large compared to what the actual number is, mm -hmm. or it's really small mm -hmm. compared to what the actual number is. And I think we need to take that into account um, because I know a lot of Zoroastrian. Mm -hmm. Zoroastrianists? Zoroastrians. Yes, yes. Um, I know a lot of them, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't know 
like how many more there are, mm-hmm. if I just have like a really concentrated example of mm-hmm. how many there are in my own life because I'm Iranian. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah. And I think, you know, terms like numbers like these or figures like these are often based on like surveys in which people are asked to self-identify. Mm-hmm. And even if you, you would have it's as scary. many like, you know, statements on your survey saying this is anonymous, no one's going to, we're not turning this over to like any like, you know, specific people or like people aren't going to be able to trace you back. It's still scary. I mean, you still don't want to ever leave a paper trail that you potentially oh, identified yourself with a group that is being actively suppressed mm-hmm. by another. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, take that number with a grain of salt. Yeah. But, it, you know, like Chris was saying, in the modern context, it kind of makes sense as to in terms of why this number has mm-hmm. decreased so substantially. Yeah, and also it's not just, I want to highlight that it's not just Zoroastrianism that's being suppressed by the Islamic regime. It's any religion that isn't Islam. And it's any religion that isn't the, the sanctioned way that they believe Islam should be practiced. So I'm sure that there's other indigenous religions mm-hmm. and kind of like older religions along the lines of Zoroastrianism that have been like completely shut down essentially mm-hmm. because of this regime. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, and they have, um, you know, Zoroastrianism, you know, as religion, as most religions do, does have a very central text. Mm-hmm. Um, they're called the Avesta, which is split into two main sections. The Avesta is the oldest and core part of the scriptures, which contains um, what is known as the Gathas. Mm-hmm. And the Gathas are 17 hymns thought to be composed by Zoroaster himself. Um, and then they have the younger Avesta, which are commentaries to the older Avesta written in later years. And it contains the myths, stories, and details of ritual observances. Um, and so, you know, taking that into context, Nuru's, um, looking at its Zoroastrian roots, is actually the most significant day in the Zoroastrian calendar. So the Zoroastrian calendar was um, created by Zarathustra, mm-hmm. who was a Zoroastrian prophet, um, and it's a solar calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 365 days, 5 hours, and 48 minutes. And the first day of the calendar is a spring equinox, so tying back to why Nuru's or Iranian slash Persian New Year is on the spring equinox. It's mm-hmm. the beginning of this Zoroastrian calendar. Yeah. So technically, like based on that calendar, we're still in 2018 mm-hmm. because like January, quote unquote, hasn't started yet because mm-hmm. it's not. It's like the equivalent of like New Year Day, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, this is a day kind of really steeped in symbolism and there's a lot of significance to it. Um, it's, you know, representing a time of renewal. You come out of the harshness of winter. Um, if you think about it, you know, this transition from winter into spring. Um, and <clears throat> so the renewal will also extend to a future universal and enduring renovation of this world. Um, the renovation will be accompanied by the resurrection of righteous souls, an event called Frasho Kareti in Zoroastrian religious texts. Um, and the tasks of human beings is to continually seek improvement and excellence until that excellence becomes enduring. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of the religious and symbolic, you know, aspects tied to Nehru's through like Zoroastrianism. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Nehru's customs as you celebrate throughout the day or throughout, you know, the days that you're celebrating Nehru's, they're supposed to be um, a reminder to Zoroastrians of their mission in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, the Zoroastrian 
roots of Nauru. It's, yeah, it's a really there. ancient tradition, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's understandable that um, there's no real, like, modern religious influence on this tradition, you, but you're basically practicing a tradition that people practiced in the way that they would, mm-hmm. you know, 3,000 years ago. Um, but modernly, Nauru's has kind of, like, a pretty, you know, straightforward timeline where... Even before um, the holiday happens in the previous weeks, before it actually, you know, occurs, uh, you start doing a deep clean of homes. Mm -hmm. And um, it's about three weeks before it's top to bottom, everything, like take out everything Mm -hmm. that you didn't even remember you had Mm -hmm. and dust it off because it's supposed to symbolize you um, cleaning and starting the new year fresh Mm -hmm. and not having like any old dust Mm -hmm. on, you know, your surroundings basically. And so simultaneously, um, while you're doing this cleaning and preparation leading up to the actual day, families also will set aside a space for the half scene, which translates literally to um, seven S's. And it's basically a collection of items that symbolize a new hope for the new year. And there's a lot of variation in terms of mm-hmm. what you can actually put on a half scene, but there's seven things that are always con- included, basically, mm-hmm. on every half scene. Um, and so you have sabze, which is, it's like a sprout or a grass that will continue to grow into the weeks leading up to the holiday, and it's supposed to symbolize rebirth and renewal. And then you have senjet, which is dried fruit, ideally a sweet fruit from a lotus tree for love. Seeb, which are apples for beauty and health. Seed, which is garlic for medicine and taking care of oneself. Samanu, which is a sweet pudding for wealth and fertility. Serke, which is vinegar for the patience and wisdom that comes along with aging. Somach, which is a Persian spice made from crushed sour red berries for the sunrise of a new day. And aside from these seven things, you can also put a mirror on there, which symbolizes reflection because, mm-hmm. you know, you want to look back on the things you achieved that year and mm-hmm. look forward at the same time. A Quran, if the family is religious. Poetry books from Rumi, Hafez, Saadi, you know, Ferdosi, mm-hmm. the Shahnameh. Colored eggs for fertility, coins for prosperity, and um, some families will even put a live goldfish to kind of symbolize new life and I remember last year at our Noru's event on campus we Mm -hmm. put like one of those goldfish crackers in a container because I was like I am not about to buy a A live goldfish goldfish. just to abandon it and kill it Mm -hmm. because when I was little we used to get goldfish and like Mm -hmm. after Noru's we'd be like what are we gonna do with these like (laughs) yeah I know so we ended up like taking care of goldfish for like three years (laughs) um yeah and then so the Wednesday before Noruz, the last Wednesday before Noruz, we call it Charshanbe Suri, and the name translates roughly to Eve of Fiery slash Red Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kaylin, do you want to get into kind of like what goes on during that event and then afterwards and how different families celebrate in the community? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, related to this, so children and elders, you know, tend to do very well. Um, at Nuru's, um, you know, at the beginning of uh, the 13-day celebration, mm-hmm. families will gather at the home of the oldest family member to pay respects. Mm-hmm. You know, and children will walk up to houses with cooking pots in hand, bang on the pots with spoons, and not let up until someone comes out and puts something sweet in the pots. Mm-hmm. And this tradition is called um, Qashuq Zani, which is mm-hmm. basically 
spoon banging. <laughs> and it's like Halloween, which is kind of cool, right? I usually just have this mental image of, like, these little kids just walking around with pots and, like, um, you know, little disguises and, like, throwing, like, mm-hmm. door to door. It's just I know. my heart. Super cute. <laughs> um, no, yeah, and then, um, you know, before the start of the festival, um, mm-hmm. people also gather brushwood in an open free exterior exterior space mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah at, and then at sunset after making um a bonfire or maybe more um they jump over the flames um you know singing a prayer to kind of purify themselves and you know kind of that idea of renewal going into the new year do you want to say it yeah, yeah. okay um it's sorti to man as to which literally translates to let your readiness be mine my paleness yours which is kind of like an exchange of elements almost mm-hmm. and then you also have you know the fire which is the the purifying um symbol mm-hmm. as part of the tradition mm-hmm. yeah and i think that you know just take like commenting on the fire but i think that's very you know interesting because I think a lot of people will seem like cleansing, like you wash yourself with like water and like things mm-hmm. like that. But this idea of like fire being like the force in which you renew yourself mm-hmm. and like purify yourself, I think there's something very powerful to that. Yeah, um, it's not as not. I wouldn't say it's it's not as passive. I mm-hmm. think as water would be because that just kind of yeah. flows versus yeah. like fire, something very active, very strong. And you know, when you made that comparison about water right now, I just realized like my dad, it, he is I would say he's like moderately religious but he, mm-hmm. he's a muslim and he practices and you know if you are going to like touch the quran and touch mm-hmm. the actual script you're expected to kind of like wash your forearms and your mm-hmm. hands with water right mm-hmm. and i think it's like when you're using water mm-hmm. to purify versus using fire to purify it's like if i was going to think of complete opposites it would be mm-hmm. fire and water mm-hmm. right so it's interesting how those two religions kind of like juxtapose each mm-hmm. other yes and going back to the fact that, you know, again, Zoroastrian roots, but not fire worshippers. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and then so once the day of Nehru's actually arrives, it kicks off a 13-day celebration of dinners, family visits, reflections um, on the year ahead. And then on the 13th day, you take a sabze that's been growing in the half scene to whatever natural body of running water you can find and let it flow away, kind of the idea of releasing the new, uh, releasing the old and ushering in the new when you, you know, stepping into this new year. And also, like, putting life out there, right? Mm-hmm. Because you you grew this sabze in your home, on your half scene, mm-hmm. and now you're taking that life and you're, like, releasing it into the rest of the world, mm-hmm. so it's almost like a contribution, mm-hmm. right? The kids will receive kind of, like, what we call AD, mm-hmm. which is, like, money, um, and it's... It's a little bit like, I don't know if people give money on New Year's, like American mm-hmm. New Year's, but I know for Chinese New mm-hmm. Year, they do, right? Yeah. For like, for Lunar New Year, you get, kids will often get, you know, little red envelopes that have various amounts of money from like what, their elders. What's the difference between Lunar and Chinese New Year? Lunar is just... Like uh, a more accepted, more inclusive China. Yeah. So gotcha. okay. Lunar like kind of refers, will also include the countries outside of China that yes. celebrate it because I know... At least, I think Vietnam um, also Vietnam does. Yeah, does it? And then I'm not sure about like Cambodia, like the other two. But mm-hmm. side note, but yeah, yeah, like you see that not in I don't think American New Year, but you see it in like Lunar New Year. Yeah. So this is something that's like common across mm-hmm. the board, basically. Yeah. And then also talking about food. Um. So on Noru's, 
there's kind of like traditional meals that are made. So I remember, I think it was like two years ago, but Adobe Lodge made mm-hmm. sabzipolo and mahi, which is mm-hmm. like, it's kind of like rice that has greens in it, mm-hmm. um, like dried greens with fish. And it's like a, it's considered to be like a traditional meal. And then other traditional meals that are specific to the holiday um, have a lot to do with greens and herbs to kind of symbolize the themes of freshness and renewal. And like I was saying, the centerpiece of most Noru's meals will be a sabzi polobo mahi, which is like an herbed rice, like I said, with some kind of fish, like salmon, whitefish. Um, And then you might have a kuku sabzi, which is like, it's kind of like, a frittata mm-hmm. but not because you have eggs and mm-hmm. then you have dill cilantro parsley fenugreek tarragon and just different greens kind mm-hmm. of made into like a like a hash brown kind of looking thing mm-hmm. okay where yeah. it's like flat mm-hmm. you know yeah and so the the food that you eat does have a lot to do with like mm-hmm. greens also and it's like supposed to be very fresh mm-hmm. um so yeah, that's that's what we have in terms of our background research. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if if you have any questions mm-hmm. about it. Just mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's interesting because you know going through this research and like going through this discussion, um, there have been I've been taking a lot of mental notes of things that really have parallels to like certain things that we do for either Lunar New Year mm-hmm. or like even just like the Japanese celebration of New Year because Japanese they don't celebrate Lunar New Year anymore. They do. The Western calendars. No, but I think this, like specifically on this when we're talking about food, like the focus and the centering of like eating greens and like eating vegetables. I think you see that in like Lunar New Year, at least how we celebrate it in with like Vietnamese traditions, yeah. um, because you don't eat meat um, for you know certain days That's of like the Lunar New Year celebration. Like you, like only eat like vegetarian um, and. I think it's interesting, too, because a lot of families will go out into, like, like the Buddhist temples. Um, and, like, Buddhist temples year-round are always going to be vegetarian, but anything you get there will always be vegetarian. So this idea of, I guess, like, kind of cleansing yourself with mm. vegetables or, like, greens and things like that versus, like, you know, heavy. Yeah. yeah. And then also the idea of, like, not, you know, participating in, like, the killing of, like, other like sentient beings yeah. for the new year I think is... like not just kind of creating life but mm-hmm. preserving life yeah. also yeah so I think that was really interesting um and then we kind of talked about you know children receiving uh, money mm-hmm. for the new year I I don't know what it's like for like Nauru celebrations mm-hmm. but I know I mean I still get money I do though. too <laughs> I mean I think I'm getting too old for it, which is mm. a little sad. Yeah. But <laughs> it's like when Christmas starts to lose its magic and you're like, <laughs> it's, it's honestly, as a 13-year-old, it's the hardest struggle you could go through. Like mm-hmm. realizing, oh my God, Christmas is not what it was when mm-hmm. I was like six. Yeah. it's We're kind of in that phase right now. But I feel like, <laughs> at least for me, mm-hmm. because like we don't really have a lot of Iranians around us mm-hmm. um, who are like as involved with Iranian culture as maybe my family is um and just because it's a busy time of year you know people Mm -hmm. always have their own little group around them but I think my parents like regardless of how old we are will always want to celebrate Mm Noruz because it's one of those few things that it's like one of the few holidays that Iranians have Mm -hmm. that doesn't align with like the western calendar Mm -hmm. and so it's one of those like excuses to have a celebration Mm -hmm. 
And I think for that reason, it's always going to be something that is going to be kind of like preserved. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how it is for your family and Mm -hmm. like Lunar New Year between Mm -hmm. the different cultures that celebrate Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I think with like Lunar New Year in specific, it's hard. Like you said, it doesn't align with like a Western calendar. So Mm -hmm. like we get lucky if it happens to be around like a three day weekend, particularly around President's Day. Yeah, It's happened a few times, but like. It's just, as we've gotten older, it's been harder to get, like, people to, like, come and, like, gather, um, just because, I mean, my family in particular, we're spread out across California, Mm. so it's just, like, is someone willing to take, like, half a week to, like, drive up to, you know, my grandma's house, um, and then spend a couple nights there, um, but I think it's definitely interesting, I think I'm lucky that I grew up in the Bay Area with Mm -hmm. San Jose having such a huge Vietnamese population, Yeah, where that's, like, a real, like, celebration there. You can go and you know that you'll get all the stuff you need to celebrate Lunar New Year because all of those, like, markets or restaurants or, like, stalls and um, little shops will have everything you need. Um, And, yeah, it's just, it's interesting because I think... Like you said, like, you know, sometimes, like, the luster will, like, kind of Mm. come off. Um, I kind of see that happening, but at the same time, I think it's interesting to see how, like, my family's kind of modified it to fit our needs. So, um, you know, sometimes I'll try and, like, come back on, like, the weekend closest um, to the Lunar New Year Year date. Or Mm -hmm. um, I know my mom has started going to the temple more um, in terms of, making sure she tries to go either the weekend before or, like, the day of yeah. the celebration. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it's very interesting in terms of, like, the idea of, like, preservation. I also think that Lunar New Year in specific is easier to preserve in a way because it's celebrated across so many different countries. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those countries have a huge, like, diaspora population in the U.S. And just by numbers. Like, yeah. if you look at, I mean, China itself mm-hmm. is, like... Mm-hmm billions yeah <laughs> like maybe even trillions at this point who knows yeah who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah i think it's interesting you know and there are, there's still like even more so looking at you know the half scene and you're talking about mm-hmm. how everything has a specific meaning and that's interesting because that's what happens for like japanese new year mm-hmm. is that we every year we get this little box of like i guess like they're at Side dishes, side mm-hmm. dishes of um, things. So you have things like um, wrapped uh, kelp, which is supposed like in the wrapped like money bags. So it's Ooh. supposed to represent like wealth um, and prosperity in like the new year. And then you have, you know, black beans, which are supposed to represent um, good health. Um, and it's have, a box. Yeah, so it's like a little okay. box, and then there are little compartments in it, and oh. each one has like a different side dish, and each one means something. And so, but you get um, to eat them, right? Yeah. Because my mom would not let me touch the half scene at all. Like, if we did not have apples in the fridge and mm-hmm. I wanted to eat an apple, she'd be like, that sucks. You can't eat this <laughs> apple until notice is over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so. No, for, but for, for that, we have to eat them all. So I remember, I like, I'm not a huge oh, fan. Oh, you have to? Yeah. Oh, wow. Like, That's even, intense. Even the stuff you don't like. So, like, I'm not a huge fan of, like, nuts and, like, chestnuts yeah. and stuff. But, like, chestnuts is, like, there's, like, candy chestnuts that are, like, at the center of, like, that box. And so I have to eat them every year. And I just, like, even, like... What happens if you don't eat them? 
then you just don't get that that good luck for that year in terms of what that thing specifically symbolizes. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I know. It's like like this year because I'm graduating. Um, you you this, need to eat all I, those chestnuts. No, I ate a lot of the kelp because of uh-huh. the money bags. Because oh, yeah. I was like, need I, those. I need a job. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, no, it's interesting that you you just mentioned that you can't eat them until that news is over. Mm-hmm. Whereas like in Japan, like. Everything that means something, that's a food you have to eat. Otherwise, you're not getting that good luck. Wow. And it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, especially if you don't like what you're eating, too. Yeah. yeah. And also, I think, like, just kind of the parallel between, like, Lunar New Year being something that's, like, if it's not directly endorsed by the governments mm-hmm. of the different countries that celebrate it, it's kind of, like, not really suppressed either. Mm-hmm. But after the Islamic regime was established in Iran, they really were trying to completely eliminate Noruz because, you know, it's a representation of Mm -hmm. a Zoroastrian tradition that Mm -hmm. still exists to this day. And they really, really tried to, like, get rid of it and not let it happen, but people would would (laughs) not let that happen. And, like, Mm -hmm. there were protests, people were still doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. So they kind of gave up and were like, okay, whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. we, the people can only take so much change Mm -hmm. without, I mean, like, obviously the people were outraged, Mm -hmm. right? But you can only take so much shift away from what is comfortable and, Mm -hmm. you know, something that you embrace and are happy with that they were like, yeah, we can't spring this on them right now either mm-hmm. after all this change. And so that's why it's one of those things that even though Zoroastrianism is suppressed, mm-hmm. Noruz is kind of like grudgingly mm-hmm. accepted by the current government because they realize like this is kind of the compromise that mm-hmm. we've had to have mm-hmm. with the Iranian people where yeah, you can do X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. but don't, like, mess with no rules because otherwise we're going to have a problem, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. it, it's like, can you imagine if the government, like, the U.S. government literally tonight on the news was like, okay, and by the way, we're not celebrating New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. Like, people would be pissed because mm-hmm. who, who let you do that? You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, yeah, that's also an interesting parallel. Yeah. But. I think that's it for us. Okay, so thanks for tuning in, guys. We appreciate it. Um, And again, don't forget to check out our description on SoundCloud for that survey link. Um, Check out our website for the different pages we have for each podcast episode. And like we said, we're working on getting those images and resources up there also so you Mm -hmm. guys can take a look at them too. And yeah, I think that's it for us. Yeah, and don't forget to follow OML on social media. We're on Facebook and on Instagram. So go ahead and press that like button on Facebook and then follow us on Instagram. We'll be posting all of our um, links to, you know, our upcoming podcast episodes on there as well. Mm -hmm. But thanks for tuning in. Bye.